Fredo? Yes, Marcus. I don't want to hear this. What don't you want to hear? I don't want to hear someone come up to me on Monday and say, I had no idea about the Wellness Base Camp. Oh, I hate it when that happens. It's all been all over Facebook, Instagram, emails, podcasts. If you are listening right now and you've been under a rock or you've been flat out busy and you just haven't got to booking your tickets, don't get to Monday and send us an email saying you forgot. I was going to book a ticket. I was going to, I was going to, I was going to school holidays and then the kids went back to school and then I went back to work and blah, blah, blah. Don't let it happen. Thewellnessbasecamp.com. 50 bucks off your ticket. A few seats left. Don't muck around. You've got Cindy O'Meara, Karen Smith, Kim Morrison, Joe Witten, Audra Starkey, Jules Galloway, Brett Hill. Oh, I wouldn't miss it for the world, Marcus. It's going to be so much fun. It's going to be so informative. There's amazing exhibitors there. The venue, I'm told reliably by Marcus Pierce, is incredible. There's just no reason not to be there. It's the most beautiful venue we've ever had. The Wellness Base Camp proudly brought to you by Zars and Alkaline Water. And we, as you said, we've got some wonderful exhibitors. So don't muck around. Don't be that person or people that says, I forgot. Head to thewellnessbasecamp.com. Thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. This is Up for a Chat with Cindy O'Mara, Karen Smith, and Kim Morrison. So thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be a part of your graduation, and I hear that today has been a pretty full-on day for you guys. Is that right? And the crowd goes quiet. So tell me about what you guys have covered so far. Fill me in a little bit so that I know where I can pick up from and continue for you to create a really inspiring next sort of half an hour to an hour. What have you guys covered so far? What do you remember about the work that you've done so far? Hit me with that. Somebody. Somebody better say something, otherwise it'll look really bad. Self-love. Self-love. What does that mean to you, Christy? Looking after myself first. Looking after yourself first. As opposed to everyone else. Family, work, stuff. Yeah? Cool, cool, cool. What else? What else have you guys gotten from the last couple of hours that you spent here today? Yeah, the my universe, your universe, mm-hmm. universal. Oh, my business, your business, yes. universal yes. business? Yes, that's it. What did you get out of that? Um, yeah, I didn't do that. I buy too much into the other, like your business or the universal business, so I'm about it. Who does that? Who's like all up in everybody else's business and all up in universal business? <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Don't you like me? I know, we're all the same. Raise your hand if you're up all up in everybody else's business, wondering what everybody else should and shouldn't be doing. Uh-huh. Working it. Gotcha. <laughs> Very cool. And that's a big thing to get. I remember when I first got that through Byron Katie's work. Um, Have you guys, has anybody read Loving What Is? So she's written the most incredible book called Loving What Is, which really goes into a lot of detail around my business, your business, and universal business. And we're probably going to touch on that just a little bit more. We're going to go a little bit deeper with that today. But that, um, when I first got that, I realized that I had so much of my energy, attention, and focus on all of the world outside of me that I wasn't paying attention to the world inside of me. And... I don't know, I'm an Aquarian and I just had a birthday. Is anybody else an Aquarian in the room? (laughs) 
Okay, so we are so freaking deep, we can get lost in there if you felt the same. <laughs> no, does anybody else feel like they're like this deep? They're so deep. Anybody else feel like they're really deep? Uh, yes. <laughs> they're as deep as a teaspoon. <laughs> so, yeah, I feel like there's this whole world that goes on inside, but because our focus and attention is outside, we miss the beauty and we miss the majesty of what this piece of life actually is. And when we're not paying attention to what's happening inside of this piece of life, life passes us by. And we begin to wonder where the time has gone. Has anybody ever thought, geez, time's gone fast? And the older you get, the faster it goes. And part of the reason is because the older you get, the more and more there is to keep you distracted from yourself. There's children, there's now money, there's now mortgages, and there's cars, and there's jobs, and there's stresses, and all the stuff that takes you away, all of the stuff that takes your attention away from this piece of life. But in actual point of fact... When you get to the end of your days and you look back on your life, you don't want to look back on your life and think this piece of life hasn't had life the way you wanted it. This piece of life has lived its life for a real logo. This piece of life has done everything that it should have done rather than couldn't have done. You don't want to do that. You know, because life is really precious. And I don't know about any of you guys, but when we've had situations in our lives where we've been close to losing our lives or we've had those moments where um, we've questioned what it's all about, you know, sometimes actually, you know, it's kind of like a glitch in the matrix. When somebody passes away, and I know that we've all had someone or, or a pet or somebody that we've lost and it's kind of shifted your perspective in those moments where you think to yourself, I'm going to pay more attention to myself. I'm going to be nicer to other people. I'm going to do the right thing more often for myself. Has anybody ever felt like that? We have those glitches in the matrix where it stops you in your tracks and forces you to think about the kind of human being that you are. And it's those glitches in the matrix that bring us back to ourselves, bring us back to this piece of life rather than everything else outside of ourselves. But it's really unfortunate that we have to wait for those glitches in the matrix in order for us to get those wake-up calls. Don't you think? And I think we can do better than that. So today we're going we're gonna to talk a little bit about that. Is that all right with everybody? Yeah? What else have you guys got from this morning? Hit me with it. And can we just, can we just get this out here? Like, whiffles. I was just going to say, we are so not formal. Okay, so we just totes chill, totes relax. And it's your time. So say whatever you want to say when you want to say it. This, me, not formal at all. Very funny. <laughs> but not formal. We did lots of whiffling. Whiffling. One should always whiffle all over the joint. I really think it's a good idea. Very cool. Did you whiffle anything exciting? Oh, not exciting. Or cool, awesome. Emotional. Totes, tell me. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Like, this is a moment we're having. No, no. <laughs> the pressure is so on. The pressure is on. She has to, doesn't she? Oh, God. Hello. Turn around and give me everybody. I'm not speaking ever again. Just <laughs> <laughs> about my child needing some more support. Yes. And, you know, getting to a real sticky point and then it just being amazing how the universe comes out to play and getting to a point where I'm waiting, surrendering for the next um, thing to be able to tackle and that was yesterday and, you know, things all got to the pointy in the day before and then yesterday 
sort of all unfolded and and um, that was about it. <laughs> <laughs> I think she's like missing a few things out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Got it though. Very cool. Very cool. We're gonna talk a little bit more about that. Just gonna make a little bit of a note here. So we've got my business, your business, universal business, and then we've just got universal, I know what this means, don't you know what that thing? <laughs> what else? Well, that's about penguins. Are they cute? that is such a good penguin sport. What about you? I love it. And what about penguins did you guys learn? They're like, it's sort of like secret code for I need help. We've got penguins in our backyard, means you have like a lot of problems that might need like a bottle of wine or ten to sort out. Like if I bring you as like I've got Antarctica full of penguins in my backyard. And I need a carne. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you understand that like, there's a lot going on that I need. Yes. Oh okay, so my code word's pineapple. Yes. Oh, perfect. Penguins works though. Yeah. Jeepers, you can yeah, I can see why penguins would work. It's like just the busyness of the penguins. Painful. I see. Yes, got it. Awesome, awesome. Just awesome. Mind. Talk about pineapples anyway. I've bought them out of the shop, but you're not going to go and get a penguin on So they're getting sweet? Me? Penguins. You're not going to, you might talk about pineapples in conversation. You had a pineapple slushy or you can call a pineapple from the shop. Gotcha. It could come into your conversation, but you're not going to talk about pineapples. True that. So that's good point. Good point. Thanks for the clarification. What else? What else have you guys picked up here this morning? Believe in yourself. Believe in yourself. How? When getting rid of all the shit that's in your head. How? Just following that feeling that just stirs something inside you. How? When go of the fear. How? I'm not there yet. <laughs> Very cool. Very cool. Now, is that relevant to everybody else? Could anybody else do with a good old vacuum clean? <laughs> between their two ears. Who else finds that it is so freaking busy between their two ears? It's exhausting. <laughs> it's exhausting. Okay, welcome to the human race. Just saying. <laughs> okay, we might talk about that. We might get to that. Very cool. Very cool, very cool. Wait. Nice. What else? What else have you guys gone through this morning? That says how. What else have you guys gone through this morning? Something that's really struck a chord for you. So just some dots joining the word surrendering. And I'm just wondering if that's a ladder, that's part of the step to actually finding that. Thank you for that insight. Oh, 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 your inspiration, you didn't even know it. <laughs> See how important it is to talk, though? Yeah. Even though you don't want to. <laughs> Wrong room for that girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so important because when women share with women, we inadvertently, unawareingly, 
inspire each other. You know, there's the most beautiful um, synergy that occurs amongst women, but if only we could be more aware and more present to it, is that we are more connected than we give ourselves credit for, and we are closer to each other even when we don't know each other, that it's almost as if being with you means I know you. That's all that's required is to just be in your presence means I know you and I see you. You know, there's that beautiful saying out of Avatar where they say, I see you. There's something about women when we're in our rawness and our authenticity. We see each other. And there's no, um, when we're in our rawness and authenticity, because women can be cats too, but when we're in our rawness and authenticity, we're not competing with each other. We're not feeling um, betrayed by each other. We're not feeling um, anything other than a sense of connection. And that's the one thing that women have craved since the beginning of time. You know, when we go back to our caveman days, women were the ones that stayed back and looked after the communities while the hunters, the men, went out and hunted. That's why these days our men have just got these laser-like focus and they only see one freaking thing at a time or they don't even see the butter in the fridge, let's face it. And the women have this vision that's more, more encompassing because they had to look after all of the children, they had to see everything all around, and they had this community that they'd created. So there's this very natural connection that women have with each other when we're in our rawness and our authenticity and we're not comparing ourselves to each other, we're not competing with each other. And sometimes that takes a little bit of work to get to that. But I think that if we um, can use tools like the self-love circle where our attention is not on the other but on this, it's not outside, it's inside, then when I'm focused on the best me, then you'll be focused on the best you and then together we're going to create greatness. Makes sense, doesn't it? And can, you guys can all feel it as I'm saying it. Can you feel it in the yeah. – where do you feel that? I feel it in sort of in the back of my solar plexus there. Where do you feel that? Point to where you feel that so I can see in the heart, in a belly. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. It's a real thing. It's a real thing. Indescribable, but it's real, isn't it? Like you can't really put language to that. Language kind of gets a bit bankrupt when we start to talk about that beautiful connection that we have. What else? We talked about numbness when your body goes numb and you don't have any feeling. Explain. <laughs> Emotionally, do you mean, or physically? Uh, yeah, I guess physically we just get to a point where you just have nothing left and it's just enough. Gotcha. We're almost the, the trauma or the experience or the thing that you've gone through, you can't even identify with it in a sense. That it's not good or bad. It's not it's good or bad. It's just... I didn't know where to go with this. I, I didn't know what to do with this. Like it becomes bigger than you are. <laughs> Got it. Cool. Has anybody experienced a lot of that? Raise your hand up high because like, I'm not saying that. <laughs> okay, cool. All right, awesome, awesome, awesome. It's not really awesome. But it's good to know that because in our trauma and our tragedies, I know this, I know that this is going to sound bizarre, but it's through our trauma and our tragedies that we find ourselves. 
and those of us that have experienced trauma and tragedy but then become a beacon of light for those that haven't experienced that and don't necessarily have to. How many people in the room have not experienced great traumas and have lived a fairly blessed life and I want to be you when I grow up? How many of you guys have, have led a fairly easy life? So, you know, we all have a different role to play here on this planet. We all have a different part to play and none of it is a mistake for any of us. And we're all incredibly blessed to be in the skin bag and experience life the way that, un that it unfolds for us. Now, life can either be a debilitating experience that leaves us broken and crippled or life can be an experience that challenges us pushes our boundaries but forces us to meet the greatness inside because sometimes you have to be so freaking deep just to be able to keep your head above water that when you eventually catch your breath you realize you're a marathon swimmer and you then become a beacon of light for those that don't have to go through that does that make sense mm -hmm. yeah but i do want to say one thing about that raise your hand for those of you who've been through great tragedies and traumas in your life and struggles This may not be an easy pill to swallow, especially for those who never want to speak again. <laughs> your job, your job, and make no mistake about this, your job is to share your journey and to share how you kept your head above water and to share what you've created as a result of that. We do not have our experiences for ourselves in isolation. We have our experiences on behalf of mankind. Please hear that with the most weight that it is intended. Your experiences that you have delivered yourself from are purposeful so that you can support others in delivering themselves from experiences so that they can learn from you. We do not have our experiences for ourselves in isolation. We have our experiences on behalf of mankind. Now, that takes your experience to a whole other level. Yes or yes? Yes. Because now your experience is not about you. Believe it or not, it's not about you. It's about the world that you live in. It's about the people that you surround yourself with today and the people that you'll surround yourself with in the future. It's about your children. It's about the message that you choose to create in the world. And you don't get to play a small game. Make no mistake about it. See, for those of us that have experienced massive challenges, what do you think the challenge was designed for? Listen. Totes the shiz bang. <laughs> I mean, let's get real. Our experiences and challenges are not designed for you to go back and access the tools that you discovered your whole life. It's not designed for you to go back and dig into your toolbox of where all of your resources are in order to handle a new challenge. Otherwise, it's not a challenge. Challenges find you. You have no say, by the way. You have no say when your challenges arrive and you have no say when your opportunities arrive. Make no mistake about that. You just have to participate. So when challenges find you, They're not designed to have you to go back and access what you already know. They're to force you to learn something new. But it's not learning something new about the world. It's learning something new about you. 
It's learning something new about this skin bag and what this skin bag is capable of. And you don't even know it's happening because that's kind of the nature of challenge. It kind of puts you into this blind zone where you're just coping. But then when you come out the other side, if you come out the other side having become greater for it, genuinely, not just through, you know, intellectually saying I'm better for it and, yes, I really believe it, it was, you know, purposeful, because that's a crock of shit too, by the way. You know, it's not always going to just be an intellectual experience. It's got to get you on a cellular level where you actually realise you're amazing because of what you've been through. You are amazing. And because of that, what did you learn? How did you handle it? You have to discover your own recipe because that is what you need to share with the world outside. That is what the world is screaming for. And you don't have to look too far outside of these doors to see that the world in and of itself is imploding. True or true? Do we have people suffering? Do you wake up to hear the news? There was another rape, another murder, or another bombing, another slaughtering, another cyclone, lives lost, families devastated. You know, it's non-stop, isn't it? <coughs> Personally, I don't watch the news anymore. Does anybody else not watch the news anymore? Oh, awesome. <laughs> awesome. But you see it on social media, mm-hmm. you know? So unfortunately, we do live in a world that is very challenged. But part of the reason why the world is so challenged is because the world has not discovered people. Let's not say the world. Let's say people because the world is made up of people. People have not discovered the powerhouse that exists inside of the skin bag because they haven't looked. You show me a mother whose child is suffering and I'll show you the world's strongest human being. Yes or yes? Mm-hmm. Oh, covering goosebumps. <laughs> Oh, let's keep going. Up and down. Up and down. <laughs> you know, I think about, I think about um, somebody who's gone through great tragic experiences for themselves. How do they still survive? How do they keep breathing? How do they wake up the next morning and see the sunrise and not take their own life because of all of the pain that lands so heavy on their chest each day. How is it that we keep breathing and we keep going? There's a natural and an innate intelligence inside of every single one of us that has us pull up the big guns, that has us handle every single challenge, but you can't do it with what you already know. I'll touch you that on the forehead. You can't do it with what you already know because what you already know has served its purpose. The nature of challenge is to have you learn something new, but not about the world, about you. What's new about you that you haven't seen yet? What are you capable of? What's possible for you that you haven't seen yet? You know, I went and had um, coffee with my mum this morning because I just got back from Fiji last night. Yes, I'm 10. (laughs) I'm peeling a lot. (laughs) Um, And I went and had coffee with my mum this morning, and my mum's 75 years old. She's 76 this year. She's graduated from her um, Bachelor of Arts, majoring in communication. She's then gone on to do a postgraduate certificate in philosophy, and now she's just started, or she's halfway through her honours in creative writing, and she's 76. Wow. I know, right? And that's my mum. <laughs> I'm going to be so awesome when I'm older. <laughs> 
So she's, we were talking about it this morning and we were talking about the very nature of, you know, beliefs, what we think we are, who we think we are, all the stuff that gets in our way and holds us back. And I said to her mother, I said, if we keep thinking, if we keep circulating in this personal identity of who and what we think we are, we'll never be more than who and what we think we are. I'm going to say that again because it's a little bit of a noodle baker. If we keep circulating in this thought system of who and what we think we are, we'll never be more than that. We'll never be more than that. And who has visions for themselves of this great life with all the money that they want, all the laughter, all the love, all the fun, all the playfulness? Who has great visions for themselves that they can achieve these things? Not everybody, just a few. Right, right, so we need to do some work on visions. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> I'm scared. <laughs> Show of hands. Who sees a great future for themselves when they think about it? They think that something great is possible for themselves. They feel like something great is possible. Now, do you know that if you can see it, you can be it? Otherwise, you wouldn't see it. It's a great gift of being human. A rock does not have that ability. <laughs> Nor does a cat. Not that we know of anyway, although I'm sure they think their whole life is one great success story. <laughs> but as, an, as, an, as a um, sentient being, we have the ability to create vision, yet we have ourselves so trapped inside of our identification of who and what we think we are based on our experiences based on the challenges that we faced, based on the stories we tell ourselves and tell about ourselves, we're trapped into this very small, minute expression of humanness. When in actual point of fact, what's possible for you is beyond your wildest dreams. So what you can see, the universe sees something a million times bigger than that. A million times bigger than that. But if you could be what you see, do you think your life would be awesome? The shiz bag? If you could just be that, that would be fine. You know, like that would be enough? Yes or yes? Yes. Tell me some of the visions that you see for yourself. Tell me what you see. Tell me what you see. What do you see for yourself? Tell me what you see. Living on land. Sustainable land. Chickens? Chickens. Cows? Cows? Growing food. <laughs> Where? Somewhere between here and Mamamundi. Nice. Does it have ocean views? It does. Oh, stop. <laughs> <laughs> How amazing. Mm. And so, what's going to make that come to life? Is it money? Is it uh, what's going to make that come to life for you? In your in your view, what do you believe needs to happen to make that come to life? Uh, I need to get a bit of a clearer idea of where. So I'm um, visiting places. I'm spending time up here with people <laughs> um, and getting a feel for, for where. Great. And then once you find it, you're just going to make it happen? Yeah. Sweet. Who else? What else have you got? Hit me with it. What else do you see for yourselves? Oh, we're in the centre. Oh, sorry. I'll say we're in the Um, <laughs> you're a tough crowd, Betty. <laughs> so, Grace is my partner in front there. For what I see for us. Grace? Yeah? yeah. 
Um, what I see for after uh, my life is I want to be a top person in our business and I want to have a team of thousands of people that we've helped increase or better their lives. And what's your business? Hit me with it. It's an MLM one. MLM business. Which one? It's called Life Vantage. Life Vantage. Yeah. Like really new in Australia. It's not many people remember. Yes, I haven't heard of that one. Alrighty then, what do they do? We um, are importing a supplement in from America at the moment. It's the one of the most potent reducers of oxidative stress on the planet. Glutathione? Increases by 300%. Yeah, right. So Max, Max International, that's the same sort of product? No, it's called Britannia, so that's five herbs. So, okay. And then it just decreases, it um, turns on an NRF2 pathway in your body, which to, in turn creates antioxidants in your body, so your body doesn't have to intake, ingest them. Gotcha, gotcha. So it's not actually the glutathione itself, it's the glucose to you. So um, NRF2 pathway turns on your glutathione pathway in your body. I like it. So what you see for yourself is this vision of thousands of people in your, in your uh, for want of a better word, downline. Yeah, almost. Yeah. Yeah. And not only financially, but health-wise too, just improve life with the other people. Fantastic. That's exciting. <laughs> that is really exciting. So what has to happen for that to happen? Uh, we have to step into that position, really. We just have to grow ourselves to the point of where we work our butts off and just go out to the world and help. Have you started? Yeah. Are you working your butts off? Oh, yeah. Well, not as much That's as you know. <laughs> Not as much as What other visions do you guys see for yourself? Come on. I see a documentary or something like that. Oh, yay, how excitement. Sort of. What? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, maybe not so exciting. I don't know. I'll call my jets again. <laughs> Tell me about the documentary. What's it on? Um, oh, that's a good question. Um, All righty. I, 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 I live on 50 acres. My partner and I live quite uniquely, so, and I've got someone coming to stay on our property who wants to, basically she's somebody who is quite corporate and whatnot, and she's, um, and I don't know if it'll be her that will do the documentary, but she's going to come and live in our cabin that has no electricity, has compost toilet, an outdoor shower. Princess, <laughs> 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 
fantastic. Okay, all seriousness aside. <laughs> all seriousness aside. <laughs> <laughs> to have a documentary to teach people to live alternatively. Is that kind of what your intention yeah, is? to, like, obviously, <laughs> she's going to hurt down there. She's going to do a lot of work on herself. But if she's corporate, I'm saying you're right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that is a big journey. And I think it, it, it's somewhere... Like, I'm not saying that we all have to go out and live on 50 acres and get compost toilets. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good now. <laughs> You're great. But we have to change something with, our, with the progression. Agreed. Or we're going to destroy ourselves. Agreed. Yeah. Totally agree with you on that. Yeah. 100%. Leading the way, charging the path, go you. Thank you. You know, I love it when I watch the Foxtel movie or the Foxtel shows and they had those people who live off the grid. Mm. I find that so inspiring. I would love to do it, as is in the compost toilet. <laughs> but I think it would be I think it would be spectacular. And I think most people would love the stress freenicity of that, wouldn't we? Mm. Of being off Facebook, being off Wi-Fi, grounding every day. And she's going to be there. There's no internet connection or anything. There's nothing down there. So. This, this is your cabin? We have a... Oh, that's great. Okay. So she's going and... I'm just really blessed that she asked me. You know what I mean? That she picked our place and... Oh, congratulations. This is going somewhere. Yeah. It's I always going like to get... It. Absolutely, it's going somewhere. You know... One of the things I said to Kimmy, and I'm totally unprepared for today, just by the way, uh, but one of the things I said to Kimmy that I wanted to talk to you guys about today was your partner. And when you guys mentioned that you'd spoken about universal business, my business, your business, universal business, it's a perfect kind of lead-in. How many of you guys here are familiar with my background? Raise your hand if you're familiar with my background. Raise your hand if you're not familiar with my background. Oh, cool. Fresh meat. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) Not really. (laughs) Do I have a water? Yes, I do. Thank you. Is this mine or somebody else spat in that? (laughs) No, that's mine? That's yours. That's mine. Thank you. I didn't spit enough. Thank you. (laughs) Not precious in that way at all. One of the things that I think I discovered very early in the piece with, um, I guess, my own personal journey was my business, your business, and universal business. For those of you guys who don't know, I'm just going to I'm just going to kind of wrap it up in the package really quickly. But please don't take my speed as flippant, because my journey and experience was the most life changing experience that's then allowed me to go on to create the life that I have today. And I actually look back on my experiences now and feel unbelievably blessed. So in 2001, um, I was living in Sydney. I'm from Cronulla. And um, I'd been in a relationship with my partner, Greg, for about eight years. And Greg and I were struggling in our relationship. He was in the movie industry, so he made The Matrix. 
um, Babe, Pig in the City, uh, Bloodsport, Jean-Claude Van Damme, uh, just about every commercial that was playing on TV, he was involved in those commercials. There's a whole string of them. Island of Dr. Moreau, uh, Kangaroo Jack. I'm just trying to remember all the invoices I used to do for him. <laughs> and Greg came back from making the movie in Alice Springs, but when he came back, there was something very different about him, and it really struck me as curious because I couldn't seem to dig in to see what had gone wrong. But his, the distance between him and I was remarkable. And that distance progressed for about 14 weeks after he came back from making that movie. And so finally it landed with him taking his own life. He gassed himself in his car in a driveway. And he left me a voicemail message telling me how much he loved me and that he would look out for me for the rest of my life and that he would always be watching over me. But he was sorry that he wasn't enough for me. And the tragedy of that story is that I thought that it was me. I thought I wasn't enough for him. Our relationship was struggling. When he came back from making Kangaroo Jack in Alice Springs, our relationship was, it was struggling. And I thought he was having an affair with someone else. I thought it was me that he didn't love enough anymore. You know, after eight years, I thought he was bored and, you know, all of that sort of stuff. I had no idea. But for some strange reason that I'll never have an answer to, he felt that it was him that was the problem. But what that did was that messed with my mind in such a way that it sent me on a spiral of depression until finally it became suicidal depression. But what never occurred to me was that if I was to take my own life, I'd be putting my friends and family through the very thing that I was experiencing. So the very nature of suicide is that we become so disassociated from reality that we can't feel anything. We can't feel love. We can't feel any connection. There's a void inside. And if a person gets to that space with a suicidal depression, if they get to that space, that's when they become quite a worry because they're incapable of reason and understanding. And I guess I got to that stage in order that I would understand how Greg could do it. Because the nature of being human is that we can't take our own lives. We're just not structured that way. We're structured for survival. You know, like if you're drowning in the water, you're going to try and get to the top, and it's just human instinct to try and get to the top. But when Greg took his own life, that spiral that I went through had me so disassociated from my own sense of what was normal that all I wanted was to escape the pain. And what we do know is that in suicidal cases, it's where pain exceeds the ability to cope. So when the pain is so much that the coping mechanisms actually shut down, there's nothing there. And that's what has us disassociate from reality and disassociate from ourselves and disassociate from others. Is there anybody in the room that has experienced suicide in any way, shape or form? With someone they know or at a distance? the saddest thing in the world is that it's touching more and more lives. I got a call, I got 11 calls in November last year from people who were suicidal reaching out for help and that blew my mind. In one month, 11 calls, that is a lot. Just here on the Sunshine Coast, are people lying? What about people at Hope? No. That journey of suicidal depression took me to Bali where I made a decision to take my own life. I had it all set up. I was going to Ubud. My best friend Jody and Charmaine were with me and I was so, again, so disassociated from reality that telling them not to come didn't even occur to me. And having them with me 
didn't, didn't alter my state at all. All I felt was relief. And that I knew that my end was coming. And it was the 12th of October, 2002, that we landed in Bali. And that was the night of the 2002 Bali bombing. Now, Greg committed suicide on the 14th of October, 2001. So two days later, 14th of October, 2002, on the 12th month anniversary, that was my day. But we landed on the 12th. So I went out with Jodie and Charmaine. I felt really calm. I actually felt relief because I thought, geez, you know, all this pain's coming to an end. I'm going to be able to move on. I'm going to be back in my rightful place with Greg. His family can get on with life. My family can get on with life and everything will go back to normal. We were in the Sari Club the night of the Bali bombing. My girlfriend, Michelle, my, my girlfriend Jodie and Charmaine and myself were standing at the front of the Sari Club. The bomb went off at 11.30. Jodie and Charmaine were blown into the bar. I was blown backwards onto the dance floor, which I later discovered was actually a giant grave because when the bomb hit, the bomb hit the Sari Club, but opposite the Sari Club was a massive building. So when a bomb blows up, it blows up like that. So it went into the Sari Club on one side, hit the building on the other, and then bounced back into the Sari Club for a second blast. And so when those of us that were blown backwards off our feet may have survived had there not been the second blast or the second wave with the Sari Club. Now I woke up under a pile of arms and legs and feet and faces, and nobody was moving. I had no idea what had happened, but I did get a sense that I needed to get myself out from underneath all of that, so I crawled out from underneath, and screaming out for Jodie and Charmaine's attention, I couldn't see them, and eventually I was standing there being burnt to a cinder myself, so I had to run, and eventually I ran and got myself out onto a street, and I was picked up by an Australian guy, and he took me to a hospital in Bali, where they discovered that the entire left side of my skull had been crushed. And the doctors told me that I had six hours to live if I wasn't going to be operated on. Now, in that moment, I'm in a room with eight people and we're all sharing the same needles. And I'm in a Balinese hospital where nobody's washed their hands. The hygiene, you know, they just didn't know what to do with that. But I had to make a decision as to whether I was going to allow them to go in and do brain surgery or I was going to try and get myself home. And you know it's an amazing part of the innate intelligence that beats our heart and breathes us? The me that's standing here now is not the me that was in that bed. And when I made the decision that no one was touching me, the Balinese doctors and neurosurgeons were blown away. That was at 7 o'clock on the Sunday morning. They said I had six hours to live. I kept myself alive from 7 o'clock that morning all the way till half past 10 that night. Technically, I should have been gone by 1 p.m., but half past 10 that night, I boarded a Qantas plane and flew for six hours home to Sydney, where I held a drip up for a beautiful young girl called Kelly who'd been severely burnt. The doctors at the hospital were amazing. They put the tiniest bandage over my 38 staples. I had staples from there to there. And they put the tiniest bandage because they said Qantas wouldn't let me fly. I knew better. (laughs) Qantas were definitely going to let me fly. And they did, because I didn't tell them what was wrong with me, until we were 20 minutes away from landing in Sydney. I thought if I told them, they'd throw me off the plane mid-flight. So I never said a word. But obviously I'd looked a little bit grave just before we landed, 
And one of the um, paramedics came and grabbed me out of my seat and laid me down in the aisle, and that's when they realised that my head was crushed. And the cabin pressure was where the problem was. Anyway, I landed in Sydney, got taken to the Royal North Shore Hospital, was operated on eight hours in surgery. I walked out of there seven days later, just like this. A little less hair, but just like this. It's a lot of hair. It's a lot of hair. But just like this. And you wouldn't know that anything had happened. So the scars were all on the inside. So from there, it became a battle. Because not only did Greg commit suicide, but Jody and Charmaine were both killed. And I'd gone there to take my own life, and I was the only one who came home. So now I had to reconcile with myself that I'd gone there to take my life. They'd come to support me, and because of me, they were now dead. My relationship with Greg was suffering, and because of me, he took his life. I had to, I had to find a way to reconcile that that didn't include suicide for me. It took me six years. It took me six years of trying to figure out how I was going to live inside of this skin bag because I'd come so close to losing my life, I knew suicide wasn't going to be an option, but now I had to live with it. So all I had to do was hope for an early death, that the pain would end soon for me, but of course that never happened. So now I had to live with what I had done and the responsibility of what I had done and my belief systems about what I had done. And I want to ask you guys something, and I want you to be really honest with me. In my beliefs, it was my fault Greg was dead, and it was my fault Jody and Charmaine were killed, because if it wasn't for me, they wouldn't have been in those positions. And I was responsible for their death. Now, tell me something. Do you guys agree with me? I was responsible for their, their passing. No. Any yeses in the room? So do you know what's really interesting? If I had held your point of view, I would have recovered much more quickly. But I didn't. I had my point of view where I felt that I was responsible. I identified with my experiences. It became who I am. I became a victim of the Bali bombing and my partner committed suicide and everybody felt sorry for me and I was depressed. And it was okay that I was crying about my story all the time. It was okay that I couldn't get into confined spaces. It was okay if a champagne cork popped, I'd wet myself with fear. It was to be expected. Well, you would agree with that? Mm-hmm. After six years of telling the same story, day in, day out, 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 if I said the same thing to you every day for six years, would you tire of it? Mm-hmm. Be honest. Yes. You'd be like, far out. <laughs> so let me ask you guys a question. How long have you been telling your story about who you think you are? We're very bored. <laughs> <laughs> And I got to the point where I actually got bored with my own story. But it wasn't until I saw the boredom in my partner Matt's face when he said to me, Hun, you're doing all this shit to yourself. Oh, how dare you? How dare you say that to me? I was furious with him at first, but it took me a couple of days to figure out he was right. It was all going on between my two ears. Nobody was telling me I was the worst person in the world. No one else was calling me a murderer. No one else was saying that I was responsible. It was me that was doing it. It was all happening between my two ears. And if you're going to have the most traumatically damaging, savage conversation, the worst place for it to be is between your two ears. Do you agree? Yes. Do you know that 27,000 times 
per day you tell yourself you're not enough and you're not even aware of it because it's happening so unconsciously because you've been doing it your whole life, you are so so well rehearsed at it, 27,000 times a day it's happening. And for some of us it might even be more than that. So six years on bended knee, it took me to try and find who was inside of the skin bag. And I'm not going to go into the whole story because that's going to take us the rest of the day. (laughs) But when I discovered my business, your business, and universal business, it was one of the very first recipes that rescued me. And I'm going to explain why. And hopefully you guys will be able to get something from this for yourselves. You see, because my business is who I am. What exists in this skin bag? What happens between these two ears? That is my business. No one else can reach inside and plant you're not good enough. No one else can plant inside of you you're not lovable, you're not perfect. No one else can reach in there and plant anything inside your skin bag. You are the only one who can do it. And I was talking to my mum about this this morning and she was saying to me, she calls me Dot, little Dot, because I was four pounds when I was born, so my nickname's Totty, that can stay, it's being recorded. (laughs) Okay, it's now on the podcast. (laughs) But she said to me, she said, Dot, I remember all my life, religion has told me lies and people have told me lies and I've believed it and of course, you know, now I've suffered because of it. And I said, Mother, no, I'm sorry. And forgive me, but I do believe that somebody needs to stand up and say to the world, it's not okay to hide behind someone else's viewpoint of you, your mother's thoughts about you, your father's thoughts about you, your children's, your teachers, your work colleagues. It's not acceptable to live a diminished life because of a belief system you have that you picked up from someone else. It's not okay. It's not acceptable because it's your skin bag. It's you. And your responsibility, your business, is to be the best and most powerful version of you that you are capable of being. That is your only job. That's it. If you woke up thinking that my only job is to be the best and most powerful version of myself, what would you do differently in the morning? Anything or nothing? If you woke up and decided or said to yourself, My job today, the only thing I have to do is to be exceptional. Would you brush your teeth exceptionally? Would you put your makeup on exceptionally? Would you settle for nothing but exceptional? Would you eat an exceptional breakfast? Would you breathe exceptional air? Would you drink exceptional water? Would you keep yourself in exceptional clothing? (laughs) Would you wear exceptional shoes? (laughs) Would you live a life or would you live a day of nothing but exceptional and refuse to accept anything less? Yeah. Because that is your only job. There's nothing else for you to do. That is your only job, and I'm going to explain why. Because right now you're thinking to yourself, no, 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 I've got to bust my ass, yes or yes. Who's thinking I've got to to bust ass to make this life work? Who feels like that? I've got to work hard, I've got to bust ass, maybe doesn't grow on trees, all that. Cool. It's a shame, but cool. So 
When you think about your business then, answer this question for me. Can you have a game of time? Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) So when you think about your business then, who are you? This is the burning question for all of us. And I'm going to give you a hint so that you don't have to think too hard. (laughs) You are not your beliefs. Everything you believe, you think this is blue. It's not blue. Someone else told you it was blue and you believed it. Yes or yes? Yes. Hmm. You are not your age. Someone else told you your age and you believed it. Yes or yes? Yes. Someone else invented the calendar and you believed it. Yes or yes? Yeah. So you're not your beliefs. You're not your beliefs. You're not your religious beliefs. You're not your beliefs about yourself. Your children are not your beliefs about them. What you think they are, they're not that. They're not that. They're just living in your perception of what you think they are. That's not who they are. You haven't even seen your kids. You don't even know them. You know why? Because you don't even know yourself. You don't know who you are. None of us do. We live completely inauthentic lives. Get this. You're not your beliefs because every belief you hold came from someone else. It's not even your name. I'm not Karen. My mum gave me my name, Karen, and she said it over and over and over and over again, and I believed it. Now it's my identification. That's not who I am. So if I'm not my name and I'm not my beliefs and you're not your personality, you're not your personality. Personality is something you have, but you're not your personality. Can you change your personality? Yeah. Can you one day be miserable and one day be happy? Yeah. Can you kind of like change? Cool. You're not your emotions. Can you change the way you feel about things? One day you might hate broccoli, but then the next day you love it. I was a kid and hated broccoli, now I live for it. So we can change, we can change our emotions. We can change the way we feel about things. One day I might like you and the next day you might irritate me. Yes or yes? Yes. So we're not our emotions because our emotions come and go. They change. They're They're not permanent. They're temporary. You're not your thoughts. Can you change your mind? One day I want to go on the water slide and the next day I don't. But I really hurt myself when I went down the water slide. (laughs) (laughs) So we can change our minds so we're not our thoughts. So if I say to you, who are you? And you're not allowed to say, I'm my personality, my thoughts, my emotions, my beliefs, my behaviors, or my habits. You're none of those things. Because all of those things come and go and they're temporary. But there's one thing that remains, the unis, the essence of you, the soul of you. All of those things exist within the cup that is you. Does that make sense? Yeah. Who have I lost? Raise your hand if I've lost anybody. Gotcha. Gotcha, gotcha. It's a really challenging concept to grasp, which is why I say who have I lost. Because it's a very challenging concept. If I say you're none of those things, then you're kind of left with, well, shit, man. (laughs) Then I'm nothing. I'm a donut. (laughs) 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 And if I'm nothing, 
Does anybody feeling a sense of nothingness when I take away all of those things? Does anybody get left with a feeling of nothingness? Who gets left with a feeling of nothingness when I take all of those things away? Be honest, raise your hand, because actually that's where I'm kind of where I want you to be. If I'm not those things. Because anything that you try and figure out becomes a thought then. And you're not your thoughts. <laughs> And now you're trying to feel how it feels to be nothing, but now you're trying to engage your feelings and you're not your feelings. Shit, man. (laughs) (laughs) This is really woohoo stuff. But the interesting thing is when we take away all of those things, what we're left with is a sense of nothingness, is an emptiness. But a beautiful Asian um, proverb speaks of the rice bowl and it says when the rice bowl is full, nothing can be added, but when the rice bowl is empty, all becomes possible. Now, most of us live a life full of personality, beliefs, opinions, thought systems, emotions, perceptions. And then we go out and we get into bed with others, we have relationships with others and we create little humans and we pass on our beliefs. That came from generation after generation after generation after generation after generation after generation. So everybody from millions of generations knows that that's blue. Everybody has a belief about what love is, yes or yes? Yes. Here's the way to fix it for yourself real easy. Does my belief about love, is it exactly the same as what your belief about love is? Do I feel love exactly the same way that you do? No. Absolutely not. So there's one truth. There is only truth. If it's not a truth, it's a belief or a perception. Now, if something is a truth, it would be true for all of us. If it's not true for all of us, then it's a belief or a perception. Can you guys see that? If something is true, if there's a truth, universal truth, it would be true for every human being, yes or yes? Yeah. Something was a truth. But if it's only true for me, but it's not true for you, then it's my belief or perception. Can you see that? So if I say, she's gorgeous, and she says, actually, no, she's not. That's a perception. My perception of you and her perception of you. It's not a truth. Only Helen knows what a truth is. Only Helen knows who she is. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. What would be a truth then? Like the sunrise. Oh my God, that's <laughs> There are this many truths. This many truths. Yes, the sun rising. Is that true for everybody? Yes. yes. Certainly in our area, in our hemisphere, yes. That's, you could say that that's a truth. Does grass grow and do trees grow? They do, don't they? But what's a tree? And what colour is it? You see, do I see green in the same way that you see green? Well, you can't know. So if you and I go into battle about the greenness of a tree, <laughs> then it's perception-based. Here's the middle baker. God. <laughs> do we know God or do we believe in God? We believe, we believe in God. Now, if you know something... And it's truth. If you know something and it's a truth, do you have to believe it? Because you know it. You don't have to believe it. You know it. It's just a knowing. You know it. So the only time we engage our beliefs is because we don't know something. Oh, stop it. 
that. Stop it. That is just so deep. The only time we engage a belief is because we don't know. So if somebody says to you, I believe women are sensitive. <laughs> now, is that, do we know that or do we believe that? You can only know yourself. You can't know women in general. You can only know yourself. Yes or yes? yes. So it's a belief. It's just a belief. Tell me one belief that you hold about yourself that holds you back. That way. Nice work. What's the belief that you hold about yourself? That I'll never be thin and I'm fat. Alrighty then. How exciting, because that's just a belief, right? (laughs) (laughs) It's actually really cool, because now everything you believe is up for grabs. It's up for questioning. It's up for questioning. Now, what did I say your job was today? It's the only job you've got. It's your business. What's your job today? My business. When you wake up in the morning, my business is to be the best version of myself that I can be. What's your job today? To be the best version of what I can be. Now, in that statement, is there any beliefs? I believe that I can be. That's, that's the, yeah, but that's still a belief. It's just a good one. Yes. <laughs> and if you can have a good belief, well, what's the harm in that? But what my point is, is that we put all of our beliefs up for question, including our beliefs about ourselves, because they've come from somewhere or someone else. Now, who said a person needs to be a certain shape or size? Who said? That's been handed down generation after generation after generation after generation. Yes or yes? Yes. Now, if we're not feeling well and our job is to be the most exceptional version of ourselves, then you've got work to do. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. But if you're feeling on top of the world today, and the body is different every day, by the way, Ayurvedic studies and Vedic studies will tell you the body feels different every day. Because it is. And the body that you have today is a result of who you've been up to today. But if you want the body to be different moving forward, start being exceptional now and creating exceptional. And the body will fall into line. Does that make sense? And life will fall into line. Because the universe is desperate to support you, desperate to fall in love with you, desperate to bring you everything that you want. You just have not created the vacuum because of your belief systems and your identification with who you think you are. Now, I had to get blown up to realize that all of my personality, all of my beliefs, and all of my identification got blown up, and what was left was absolute rawness. There was just the rawness of humanity that was left amongst all of us in Bali. When we were running through the streets, no one was competing with each other. No one was scared of talking to a stranger. Not one of us was nervous about another person. We were all one. There was a oneness that was created. There was a connection that became present when all of our when all of our shizzle got blown up and what was left was the rawness and authenticity of humanity. There was this connectedness, this oneness that I guess having had the experience of it, I now I now feel the sensitivity of that on a day-to-day basis. So I see beyond your personalities. I see beyond who you think you are. 
I see beyond your identifications of who you are. I do. I see that. And that is my message for all of humanity because I've been blown up. For those of you guys that have had your own tragedies and your own experiences, what's your message from it? What are you coming to the world with to share? Get out of your own way with your identification with who and what you think you are because the world is waiting for you, sister, and you're not showing up. What's showing up is your beliefs, your personality, your thoughts, your emotions, and you're holding other people accountable for it. One of the biggest mistakes that we make in our relationships is we say to our partners, you don't love me. Marriages are won and lost on that. You don't know if your partner loves you. You have no clue. You will never know. And they will never know if you love them. You know when I hug my mat, he's like this big hairy bear, and when I hug Matt, I get this soft, smushy feeling inside. Does anybody else get that? When you look at the person that you love, you get a soft, smushy feeling, and you think, oh, I love you. <laughs> Even your kids, yeah. when you hug them, you go, oh, I love you. Now, that feeling is not being generated by your kids or your partner. They are just present for the hug. That feeling is lives inside of you. Yes or yes? Yes. Yes? yes. You're the one who's feeling all the warm fuzzies. Yes or yes? Yes. No one else is reaching inside and planting love in you. They can't do that. You're the one who's generating that. So your partners are not generating that for you. Now, whether they are feeling the same thing, you will never know unless you ask them. They might think you're a bit weird. You say, oh, I love you. Are you generating love for me right now? <laughs> On a scale of one to ten, describe how that feels. <laughs> and I want to dance. <laughs> no, but then when we have marriage breakups or we have relationship breakups, we say we can't trust or we can't love or we feel like we've lost something. You've lost nothing because no one can take your ability to generate love away with them when they leave. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yet in society, we have this belief system that when relationships break up, there's got to be all this trauma and turmoil and pain and suffering. Whereas in actual point of fact, that is a belief system. Because is it temporary? Do we eventually recover? It's temporary. So it's not a truth. It's not a truth. So we have societal beliefs as well that keep us playing small and, and trapped. But in actual fact, when we look at the truth, we look at the actual truth. Where is love generated? In me. And if Matt left, does he take my ability to generate love with him? No freaking way. No one can take your ability to generate that soft, smishy, squishy love. You might use a different key to unlock that love. But they don't take the, that ability of love away from you. Only you have that. Does that make sense? And it's interesting. When we were in Fiji, like I'm incredibly affectionate and I think I'm hilarious. So I chased, I chased Matt around and I crash tackle him for a hug. <laughs> and he's so not affectionate. He's like we go out to a restaurant and I'll grab his hand and I'll say, whisper sweet nothings to me. <laughs> and I'll hug people are eating. <laughs> <laughs> dear, dear, dear. And it's interesting, while we were away for nine days, I didn't have my dogs. Whereas normally, all of that affection goes to my dogs. 
So he doesn't have to put up sitting on his lap, chasing him around. Quite hilarious. By the end of it, he goes, oh, honey, I'm so overwhelmed. <laughs> on the last day of her at the airport, and I said, Jim, can I come and sit with you? And he goes, oh, he said, I just need a bit of personal space. <laughs> oh, my God. And then they walked in the door, he said, thank God. Because the dogs just came running up. And they, you know, he lost me there. And he goes, great, I'm third on the rung again. Yeah. So he goes, perfect place for me. <laughs> exceptional version of myself. I have to know who myself is. I must know who this is. And I'm not my thoughts, personalities, beliefs, emotions, habits. I'm none of that. Then what is there? In actual point of fact, there's nothing there. There's no thing. No one thing. And in nothingness, you can create everything. And from nothingness becomes choice. Therefore, you can choose whatever you want. But not for the rest of your freaking life. Right now. This moment. In the now. In the present. That's all that there is. So choose. Choose what you want to experience. Kimmy sent me a message this morning saying for me to come here today. And I thought, okay, cool. I've got no idea what I'm going to speak about, but I know who I'm going to be when I get there. Hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) So when I choose who I'm going to be, it's moment by moment. Does that make sense? Yeah. And when you choose who you're going to be moment by moment, doesn't that open up everything? Because right now you could be sitting there being very serious. But then in the next minute, you could actually sit there and be the class clown. And then this afternoon, or when you go and have dinner tonight, you could choose to be extremely playful. Or you could choose to be a little bit more quiet and subdued. You choose. But it's not your personality running you. It's not your belief systems running you. It's not automated unconscious behavior patterns running you. It's you running you. It's you mastering this piece of life and you choosing what you want. And my first thought, if it's of any value to anybody, my first thought in the morning is for me, I will experience nothing but exceptional today. And I will not sacrifice that for anything or anyone. Today will be nothing but exceptional. And then I go about my day consciously present to being exceptional. Outstanding, extreme. Because if I die tomorrow, it better have been freaking worth it. <laughs> Seriously, when you consider all the pain and suffering that is possible, man, you better make it freaking worth it. And if it's going to be, if it's going to be, it's up to you. So that's my business. Your business is to do whatever you're going to do with that, and it has nothing to do with me. So when I look at Matt, my business is to be exceptional. So when I wake up in the morning and I have to work at this, this doesn't just come naturally. We have to choose. Because if you don't choose, you're also choosing. Does that make sense? Because if you let life be random, that's nobody else's fault but your own. And life is actually not random. Life will always bring you what you're putting out. And if you're putting out unconscious shizzle, Life will match that shizzle. Make no mistake about it. So don't be unconscious. Be very conscious because the universe wants to give you what you want and it always wants you to be right. So if you think you're not enough, the universe will say you're right and it will bring you experiences that will show you that that's right. 
If you think that you're overweight and therefore will never be skinny, the universe will say you're right and will constantly bring you cupcakes. (laughs) Trust me, I know this. (laughs) The universe always wants you to be right. So when I wake up in the morning, I choose exceptional and astounding. I want my day to surprise me. I want the universe to surprise and delight me daily. So then I go in ferocious pursuit of looking for those surprises and delights. And I have an evidence journal, which is a beautiful gold little journal book that I found at Officeworks. That's my evidence journal. Just like that. Just like that. And it's my evidence journal every day. I write at the top, evidence for today. And it's my first thought when I wake up. I want I'm going for exceptional. This will be an exceptional experience inside of the skin bag, and I want the universe to surprise and delight me. And then I look for evidence of that. And so today, surprising and delighting me is this. What a great surprise. And delighting me, well, I think I'm hilarious. I'm very delighted about that. (laughs) And I got to have breakfast with my mum, so I'm really delighted about that. And who knows what the rest of the day is going to bring? Oh, yeah, actually, and and I had another great surprise. I put a post up on Facebook saying I needed some support, a VA type person just to help you get through some stuff. And a friend of mine who I haven't seen for 22 years sends me a message. And she was exceptional when she worked with me, worked for me before. Mind you, it was 22 years ago. <laughs> Not so sure. <laughs> I'll keep you posted on that one. <laughs> no, she's absolutely astounding. She's amazing. Always has been. And I sent, and I sent her a message and I said, are you still awesome? And she said, you taught me my superpowers. Mm-hmm. And she said, always awesome. I said, that's what I want. That's what I want. <laughs> so my business when I wake up is to think that way. And that's my day, is to continue to think that way. Still do the things that you need to do and what's in front of you, but be thinking that way. So when I wake up and I see Matt, part of my experience is to have an extraordinary relationship. I generate that. He can do whatever he wants to do. He doesn't have a clue about what goes on between my two ears, and it would freak him out if it did. (laughs) So when I look at him, I generate extraordinary, exceptional, astounding love for him. Now, I could also generate the opposite of that and bring our relationship to an end if I wanted. Because you know how you can do that, hey? You can detach. You can definitely do that. But I choose not to do that. There'll be a day that might come where I do do that. Who's to know? But right now, I don't choose to do that. I choose to wake up and have an extraordinary relationship with a man who's oblivious to what's going on. He gets up, does his usual burp and fart, and goes off to work. (laughs) You know, I'm not alone. So he goes off to work and he comes home and when he comes home, I'm still thinking I'm extraordinary, surprise and delight me. So when he walks in the door, I'm not, yeah, going, oh, whatever, yeah. You know, in the routine of being together for 15 years, I'm not dismissive. You know, when you've been in a relationship for a long time, you can get a bit dismissive, a bit habituated. I'm not that. Every day is brand spanking new. It's so cool. It's almost like I've got a new man every day. <laughs> I don't mind that at all because I'm into my writing. But for me, I made that happen. That's my business. What Matt does with that is totally his business. Matt cheats on me, that's his business. Matt's miserable, that's his business. Matt's cranky and negative, that's his business. And trust me, we've absolutely had those years where it's been an uphill battle. This relationship has not all been, you know, roses and skittles. But it's his business, it's not mine. 
I allow him to be whoever he needs to be and I give him the space to be whoever he needs to be, but does it change who I am? Not on your freaking life. It's my life. And I am after exceptional every moment of the day. And if somebody else is being negative and having a bad day, I'm there to support. I'm not going to walk away. I'll be there to support. Will I dive in and swim in the same ship? Not on your life. Does that make sense? So I can have myself surrounded with a room full of the world's most negative people and still be high on life. It's not my business. I can be there to support and love and hold and connect. And it's the difference between being involved and being attached. Involved means I can be with you no matter what you're going through. And I'm a very safe space for that. Attached means I'm attached to the outcome. I'm attached to your behavior. I'm attached to your performance. I'm attached to who you are for me. Does that make sense? And if I'm attached, it's fraught with danger because it comes with expectations. And you know people never meet your expectations. Have you noticed that? And the more needy we become, the less our expectations are met. But that's just because we've got our focus outside on others. When my focus is on myself and my extraordinary experience and somebody's being negative or hurting or, you know, it's why I get calls for help often. It's because I'm a very safe space, but I won't dive into your problem with you. I'll always be the solution. Does that make sense? (coughs) So that's my business. Your business is to do whatever you're going to do. Universal business. And this is the biggest thing that I want to leave you guys with today. Universal business is who you meet, when you meet them, how long you're with them, how much money you make, when that property shows up, when you lose the weight, when you build the business, when you get your 1,000 people. All of that is universal business. It's all universal business. It's not up to us to determine who we meet and when we meet them. It's not up to us to determine our, our challenges and our opportunities. Have you ever had control over that? Have you ever had control over your challenges, when they arrive and what they look like? Mm-hmm. Have you ever had control over your opportunities, what they look like and how big they are and how awesome and the date and the time and what they bring? Have you ever had control over that? No. What makes you think you've got control over anything in between? <laughs> you've got no control over it. It's all universal business. You only have one job. That's all you've got. Everybody else is going to do their thing. You can't control anybody else's business. You certainly can't control universal business. The one thing you can control is your business, your exceptionalicity. And you can choose moment by moment. Don't choose month by month because the only part and the only thing that exists is the here and the now. Be present to who you're choosing to be just now. And now is not moment. Who are you choosing to be? What are you choosing to create? Just at this moment. And the beautiful part about that... And this is the biggest lesson that I've learned in the last six months, since June last, June last year. I had a massive breakdown in June last year. I just lost my shizzle. Everything I was trying so hard to create for the last 10 years, none of it felt like it was as big as I wanted it to be. And I was working, pushing it uphill. I was busting hump, and I'm a machine. I don't have children, so I can work 24 hours a day. And I'm always so focused and so clear and so together. I'm in this work 24 hours a day. So in my mind, got it all going on. Not so much. (laughs) The universe put me in a position, or I found myself in a position where all of a sudden everything I'd created, I didn't want it anymore. Everything. Not my relationship with Matt, but everything else. I didn't want it anymore. I I didn't know what to do. And I actually couldn't do anything. 
all the stuff that I'd been doing for my business, I actually couldn't do any of it. To do any of it made me sick and furious. So I just cried. I cried for three months on the lounge. I did. That was very traumatic. (laughs) But what I came to at the end of that three months, because I actually had no other options, there was nothing else that I could do. I was worried about money. I was worried about my mortgage. We just bought a new place. I was worried about my car, all the normal things, you know. But I couldn't do anything. Anything I tried to do turned to shizzle. And it took about three months for me to realize I needed a partner. I needed a business partner. I needed a life partner. I needed somebody to come alongside me that knew more than me, that could lead the way and be a light in my life. At first, I thought it was my sister because she's my mentor. Then I realized, no, that's not it either. And I went to bed and I woke up the next morning and I said, today starts exceptional again. Who's my business partner? And within seconds... The universe is my business partner. The universe is my life partner. So what's my job and what's the universe's job? Came back to my business, your business, universal business. My business is to be exceptional. My business is to clean up my belief systems about what I think I am and my identification. I thought I was this speaker, workshop leader. I thought I was all these things. I might be, who knows? But while I tie myself to that, I'm limited to only that. Does that make sense? But do I want more than just that? Oh, my God, so much more than that. So I realized I had to release my identification with who I am so that then I could be a worthy partner to the universe. Because while I play small, the universe can't bring me what I want. It can only bring me more small stuff. Does that make sense to everybody? So I had to transition from small to massive. And I thought that I'd been massive, and I have, but in stages. But then I reached another point where it's time for growth again. Does that make sense to everybody? And we all get to those phases where it's time to grow again. And I dare say you wouldn't be in this room unless it was time to grow again. Do you agree? So here's your invitation. Take my story and the message with you as purposeful that you were meant to hear it today. Your job is to be outstanding and to allow the universe to surprise and delight you. You cannot be a worthy partner if you are more connected to your relationship with your identity, your beliefs of who you are and who you aren't. If you've got a better relationship with that than what you have with the nothingness and the universe can't support you in the way that you see it. When you see that vision for yourself, it means the vision is here and you are here and there is a gap to bridge. And the gap isn't doing more or learning more. The gap is actually no thingness. Let go everything that you think you are and automatically you will become what you were always meant to be. It's in there. You can feel it. Yes or yes? Yes. You feel greatness and you feel a giant in there. Yes or yes? Yes. If you can feel it, it's because it's in there. It's just all of the shizbang you've got on top of it that's holding it back. Let the shizbang go, and then the naturalness of your enormity will take the front place. Does that make sense to everybody? There's nothing more for you to do. There's nothing more for you to read. There's nothing more for you to try. There's nothing more for you to manifest. (laughs) There's no more trying. Achieve more. Do less. 
And I don't mean don't clean your house now and, you know, sit back and fill up your bum. But what I mean is the belief systems, the personalities, the emotions, the thoughts. Of course you're going to have them. Don't pretend. Let's not pretend you're not going to have them, but question every single one of them. If you can do that, if you can just question your beliefs as they come up, you're winning. If you can start your day with exceptionalicity, that's my invitation to myself. Extraordinariness. Then go brush your teeth extraordinarily. Have breakfast extraordinarily. I wear really big rings as a reminder for myself. I love my rings. So I wear really big rings that are uncomfortable and big so that it reminds me all the time. So if I don't have that on, I'm not trying, I'm not working on something. But if I've got them on, trust me, I'm working on something. Does that make sense to everybody? You need something to remind you in the oils? Perfect. Kim's obviously spoken to you guys about anchors. Yes, yeah, so my rings and my anchors. And obviously the oils are something that you guys can use amazingly. Allow the universe to be your partner. Think of it that way. If you can wake up in the morning and think the universe is my partner, how can I be worthy today? Oh, man. The universe doesn't care about your beliefs. It doesn't care about what your mother told you you are in your It doesn't care about where you come from. It doesn't care about the size of your butt and your jeans. It doesn't care. The universe only cares about bringing you everything that you want so that this experience of life can be nothing short of joyful, blissful, whole, complete, purposeful, and filled with oneness. We're all the same. And you notice we're all the same? We're all the same. Everybody's doing exactly the same things. So let's be an example of what's possible for the world outside when nothingness is kind of the aim. So if I say to you, what do you do? Who are you? Oh, I'm nothing. (laughs) Bring that on. I'm nothing, which means I'm no thing, which means I can be everything, anything, what I choose, my life by my design. Does that make sense to everybody? Very cool. Very cool. The more you bring yourself back to nothingness, there's no busyness. Because if I take away every belief, thought, emotion, habit, personality, there should be nothing going on between your two years. <laughs> That's what you want. I'm just saying, put it out there. We want empty heads. <laughs> That's what we want. Because you have wisdom through your years. Of course you have your wisdom. I'm not saying be stupid, be thick. I'm not saying do that. <laughs> but you have your wisdom. Just let your day unfold moment by moment through a filter of exceptional. Is everybody willing to do that? Yeah. Very cool. Who's the first person who's going to take the lead and stand up and say, I'll claim exceptional for myself? Do we have anyone in the room that'd be willing to stand up and be the first person? Stand up and be the first. Stand up and be the first person. And say, I. I claim exceptional. That for me. Nice. Is there anybody else in the room that's willing to do that? I claim exceptional for me. I'm claiming 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 exceptional for me
exceptional for me. I claim exceptional for me. I claim exceptional for me. I claim exceptional for me. Yeah. Yes. I claim exceptional for me. Yeah. I claim exceptional. Go, girlfriend. I claim exceptional for me. Nice work. I totally claim exceptional for me. <laughs> I know. It's a no-brainer. I claim exceptional for me. I don't believe you. <laughs> <laughs> me? Yes. I claim exceptional. So why didn't you guys stand up to claim exceptional for yourselves? And please be really open. I've had a pretty tough day, so I just think tomorrow I'll got you exceptionally. Great. Fair call. So today what are you claiming for yourself? Let's be really honest. What are you claiming for yourself today? Um I'm just really tired and I need to send it today and then tomorrow. So today what you're what you're creating for yourself is contemplation, quietness, solitude. Yeah. Go, go home. What are you going to do this afternoon? Um, so why didn't you stand up? I see. Because I wanted to be sending attention, so that didn't work. <laughs> Not trying to be honest, but the whole um, you know, motivational stuff. So let's be honest about what's the, what's the interim step for you? What are you creating for your experience today? What's there for you? What do you feel? And Because you're doing it. What's there for you, you're doing it yourself. So what are you claiming for yourself today? What are you doing to yourself today? You um, acceptance. Set your attention right there. And acceptance. So you're creating a day of acceptance for yourself. And whatever you feel, you go with it. Is that okay? Yeah. Oh, she's here. Absolutely. And some days are going to feel like that. Not every day is going to be an on top of the world day. Can we be all right with that? Yeah. But no, be aware and be conscious that we are the creator of that. Yes or yes? Yes. Because yeah. it's all happening between our two ears. No one else is doing it. We're doing it. Can we all take that level of responsibility at least? Have you had a good more, a good afternoon? Yes. yes. Very cool. Can you all shout out? All shout out. I'm claiming exceptional for the recording. I'm claiming exceptional. Yeah! I love it. Thank you so much for sharing an afternoon with me. Beautiful afternoon. Thank you so much, everybody. You're your absolute pleasure. And we are very, very grateful. Given the morning we had, it was perfect. And I just want to say thank you from us to you. Thank you, precious heart. (laughs) (laughs) It's called koala You should really try it.
you, everybody. Thank you. Anybody got anything to say oh. before we go have a break? Anybody? I always check. There's always someone that might want to say something. I've just got a little um, Osho thing here on nothingness that might help for anyone who was having trouble grasping it. Did you want to hear it? Yeah. Okay, so being in the gap can be disorienting and even scary. Nothing to hold on to, no sense of direction, not even a hint of what choices and possibilities might lie ahead. But it was just this state of pure potential that existed before the universe was created. All you can do now is to relax into this nothingness, fall into this silence between the words, watch this gap between the outgoing and incoming breath, and treasure each empty moment of the experience. Something sacred is about to be born. There's a little bit more. (laughs) Buddha has chosen one of the the really very potential words, shunyata. The English word, the English equivalent, nothingness, is not such a beautiful word. That's why I would like to make it no-thingness. Because the nothing is not just nothing, it is all. It is vibrant with all possibilities. It is potential, absolute potential. It is unmanifest yet, but it contains all. In the beginning is nature, in the end is nature. So why in the middle do you make so much fuss? Why in the middle becoming so worried, so anxious, so ambitious? Why create such despair? Nothingness to nothingness is the whole journey. Fantastic. Another really great one to read is Muji, M-O-O-J-I. Spectacular. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.